Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. Well, you would expect our daily run through of the top stories of the day in sports, going to start with the biggest story of the day in sports. Today marked the start of the 2023 NCAA tournament for the men's brackets, and there's a lot going on. Number two-seeded U of A became the first team in NCAA tournament history to lose to a 15-seeded team twice. Happened the first time many, many years ago to Santa Clara and Steve Nash, and it happened again today. 59-55, the final score. Princeton shot 40% from the field, 16% from behind the three-point line. Had more turnovers than assists, and yet they still beat U of A today, Gambo. Yeah, they hung around. U of A, you know, U of A at one point, I think they got up by 10. I think they were up by 10 in the second half. And they just fell apart. I mean, they just fell apart. And... Um Kirk Reese, it was terrible. One of seven shooting. Couldn't knock down any shots. He was bad. He only had like two assists. I mean, he did a really terrible job of running that offense. Kirk Creasa. So Tommy Lloyd didn't make the adjustment and get him out of there. And they got burned by their poor guard play today. Yeah, I mean, it was difficult to watch the whole game while we were on the air, you know, other than during the commercial breaks. From the part I saw, looked like a lot of hero ball going for U of A. It felt like in the last four minutes of that game, they were just, they lost their composure. Everybody was trying to be the guy, and they just weren't playing very well together as a unit. That last possession they had, Ramey was terrible, just trying to win the game himself. It just looked like a lot of that down the stretch for U of A. So they're out. Brackets are trashed everywhere. Jay Billis had them winning the national championship, for goodness sakes, and they can't even get past the first round and Princeton in this one. Meanwhile, on the other end of the state, last night, 11-seeded ASU officially punched its way into the round of 64. They destroyed Nevada last night, 98-73. They'll play TCU tomorrow night. They last longer than than U of A does, or at least yeah. as long as U of A does. GCU plays tomorrow against Gonzaga. Crazy day in the state of Arizona for college basketball, Gambo. Yeah, no, but listen, nobody would have thought that U of A would be the first team from Arizona out. They just got they got beat. They got upset. They didn't play well. It happens. That's what's crazy about this tournament. That's why it's so hard to predict in so many brackets. Jay Billis was on Bickley Marathi yesterday. He picked Arizona to win the whole thing. So there's some people right now shaking their heads. Um, Arizona State, let's talk about them because they Absolutely. played well. They played a really good game. They had a great first half, incredible defense. I mean, they had big runs of 13 nothing and 17 nothing in the first half. They knocked down their shots, and they held Nevada without a basket for six minutes in that first half. They ran away with it. They were up by like 27, and they ran away with it. That was a great game for ASU. 64% they shot from the field again. They'll play TCU tomorrow, an 11 versus a 6. That game tips off at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports. Now, the rest of the tournament today, there was one other major upset today. 13th seeded Furman beat Virginia on a last second 3. That's a 13 over a 4. Virginia has now been eliminated in the first round of this tournament by a significantly worse seeded team in 3 of the last 4 tournaments. The only time they weren't was when they won the championship in 2019. Other than that, in three of the last four tournaments, they've been bounced in the first round, and it's been a significant upset each time, Gambo. Yeah, it's a, that was a, just a shocker, the way they played and the way that game ended. I mean, that poor kid, you know, they've got the lead. They're in control. He's about to get fouled, go to the free throw line, put the game away. He gets trapped. He's got a timeout. He's got a timeout. He can take the timeout. He doesn't take the timeout. He heaves the ball up in the air. 
Furman gets it. They throw it to a kid that knocks down a three, and Furman upsets uh, Virginia. What a what a crazy game! All right, everything else has been chalked today. Eight seeded Maryland beat West Virginia. Seven seeded Missouri took down Utah State. Number one Kansas over Howard easy. Number one Bama over Texas A and M Corpus Christi easy. San Diego State a five seed beat twelve seed Charleston 63-57. First Mountain West team to win a tournament game since two thousand eighteen. Eight seeded Arkansas and number nine Illinois just ended with Arkansas winning. Number eight seed Iowa and nine seed Auburn just tipped off a few minutes ago. Everything else is coming up later tonight. Everybody take a breath because now we go into the Suns game tonight. They're taking on the Orlando Magic in a game that you could at least argue is must-win territory for them. They take on a Magic team that features the leading candidate for Rookie of the Year in the NBA and Paolo Banchero. He's been great for Orlando. Yeah, he has been phenomenal. and He's on this stretch right now and him and Wendell Carter both playing really, really well. And uh, This is a guy that was the Eastern Conference top newcomer in December, January, and he's probably going to get it this month in March because he's averaging about 22.3 points, 6.5 rebounds, 3.7 assists, playing extremely well. He's been the best rookie in the NBA this year. Terrific player. For the Suns, as they go into tonight's game, they have a half-game lead over the Clippers for the fourth seed, a game-and-a-half lead over Golden State for the sixth seed, and they're only two-and-a-half games out of the seventh seed, which would put them in the play-in tournament. Still a few games left for the Suns, 13 to be exact, I believe, but big game coming up tonight. You'll hear it here on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. Diamondbacks relief pitcher Mark Melanson is expected to begin the season on the 60-day injured list. Gambo, you reported this earlier. What do you know? Well, what I was told is that he'll very likely, they're expecting that he's going to start the season on the 60-day injured list. That would open up a roster spot. That's why you put him on the 60-day. It would open up a roster spot for them. Uh, They're waiting for news on Corbin Martin. I checked on that just a short time ago on Corbin Martin, who was also injured last night. And I don't have an update. Hard to say. They're hoping for good news on Corbin Martin. But on Mark Melanson, I'm expecting from what uh, what I've heard that the 60-day IL to start the season would open up a roster spot. The Arizona Cardinals officially released retired defensive end J.J. Watt. They officially released center Rodney Hudson. They were both given the post-June 1 designations for cap purposes to ease the dead cap hit on both of them. Not a surprise. Meanwhile, Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter today given 12 months probation and a $1,000 fine. He pled no contest to misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing related to a crash that killed a fellow Bulldogs offensive lineman and a recruiting staff member as well. He had his pro day yesterday with Georgia. He didn't even finish all the drills he was supposed to participate in. He didn't participate in all of them, and he was nine pounds heavier than he was at the combine. It's not been a good month for Jalen Carter. No, I mean, the kid cost himself million, tens of millions of dollars, very likely, with how far that he's going to fall. This was the top NFL draft prospect. Some people had him as number one overall. No jail time for him, um, but the red flags that are up are, are, are the, the reckless driving and the racing, and of course, not being able to get in shape on the, the most important day of your life. Yeah, no doubt. Lots of NFL storylines to run through. The Colts have agreed to terms with quarterback Gardner Minshew on a one-year deal, so if you had hopes that he would be the backup quarterback for the Cardinals, he's off to Indianapolis. The Giants have re-signed wide receiver Darius Slayton, two years, $12 million base, max value of 16 and a half. The former Cardinal guard, Cody Ford, signing with the Bengals, according to Jeremy Fowler. The Cardinals gave up, what, a sixth rounder for Cody Ford, if memory serves? They gave up, I thought it was
was a fifth. Was it a fifth? Okay. For Cody Ford, and then a sixth and a seventh for Robbie Anderson. Um, I'll just comment on, on, on the Slayton thing, because the Giants, did, they did sign wide receiver Paris Campbell Thursday, today, and then they ended up keeping Slayton. He was pretty good for them. Not great, but pretty good. Uh, Daniel Jones liked throwing the ball to him. 46 catches, 724 yards receiving. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are signing free agent, former Carter running back Chase Edmonds. He gets a one-year deal there as well. Edwin Diaz underwent imaging today. A full tear of his patellar tendon in his right knee. He's going to have surgery today. See how that happened? Uh, he was celebrating. He was, ce- celebrating. he was celebrating Puerto Rico's big win against the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic. He heard it while celebrating. That's a huge loss for the Mets for the regular season. I mean, that's why some people are very reluctant to have their guys play in the World Baseball Classic. Here's a team with the Mets. They they got Verlander. They got Scherzer. They've got aspirations to win the World Series. Uh, their first since 1986. And their closer, one of the best in baseball, goes down on celebrating, jumping up and down. I mean, it's that's why some people, especially, you know, the feel that the, maybe they should play after the season is over, play the World Baseball. Everybody has their fingers crossed and hopes their players don't get hurt. That's what you're trying to get through. But uh, that's a tough, tough break for the Mets. And then finally, the Coyotes take on the Canucks tonight at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. Josh Doan, the son of Shane, will hang up his collegiate skates with ASU and start his NHL journey with the Coyotes. He's signing a three-year entry-level deal with the Coyotes, and he'll join the Tucson Roadrunners for his first pro game on Friday, Gambo. Yeah, that's 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 great for, for, for the whole family, Shane and Josh, and the Coyotes' second-round pick, and they're hoping you know that he could be an, uh, at some point an NHL player. So, had a nice time at ASU, and now he goes to go play for Tucson. The weather is getting warmer in Arizona sports, and Fulton Homes are reminding you, two seconds is too long to take your eyes off your kids around water for life-saving water safety tips and to enter to win swim lessons from the YMCA. Text SWIM to 620-620. The Western Conference, really tight in the middle of the standings. Should the Suns be worried about what's underneath them? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show as Kevin Pelton scheduled to join us here in a moment or two. We'll get him presumably on the line in a moment. In the meantime, we can circle back to the NCAA tournament game underway right now. Auburn is beating Iowa 16-12. to Obviously, the big story of the day, U of A bounced in the first round. They lost to 15-seed Princeton today. So, ASU still alive. GCU still alive. U of A is not. ASU will play tomorrow night. When they'll take on uh, TCU at 7 o'clock. GCU is in action tomorrow as well when they'll take on Gonzaga. Very strange to be talking about three teams from the state of Arizona in the tournaments, and U of A is no longer one of them. That is weird. That is, it's it, it's a shocking upset. I mean, it is. I mean, they should all be embarrassed right now to lose that game as a two seed. And, uh, there were a lot of high hopes for that team. Maybe not to win it all, but I think a lot of people felt that they had a good bracket like I did. I thought they had a really good path to get to the Elite Eight. I had them losing a Bama in the Elite Eight. I didn't have them go to the Final Four, but a lot of people liked them. I mean, they're a good team. They're a good team all year long, but you know, when you let a team hang around 
around like they did um, or, or like Virginia did. When you let a team hang around a 13 seed, a 14, a 15, it just gives them hope. In the last couple of minutes, there's a lot of pressure on you. Now, U of A has played in a lot of those games, you know, close, tight games. So it was surprising that they folded like a cheap suit at the end of that game and couldn't figure out how to get a basket. Yeah, it was very surprising to see. There was a lot of hero ball down the stretch. And what was really surprising about it, just from a sheer basketball standpoint, is that usually when you start talking about upsets this time of year to this magnitude, you're talking about a team that goes crazy from the three-point stripe or, you know, that, that does unbelievable, just shoots lights out from distance. Princeton shot 40 Percent. They shot sixteen percent from. No, they distance. didn't play well. They didn't, they didn't play, play well, well at all. No. no. I mean, you look at the stats. I showed you the stats of Princeton after the game. You'd be like, "Oh my god, a, 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 U of A beat them by 20. No, they didn't. U of A got terrible guard play throughout. It was really pathetic. I mean, you know, Tabellas played good and Balo played good, but you know, the the, the guard play, uh, Courtney Ramey and, and, and Kirk Carissa was awful, just awful. I know. He's hit and miss with 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 Arizona fans. He, he he's either you either love him or you hate him. Well, today you hated him because he he really was awful uh, in that game. Henderson and they just didn't get any good guard play. And they were they actually had the lead by ten, and instead of like stepping on their throats and burying them, they allowed them to to get back into the game. Yeah. All right. So in the meantime, we're it looks like we're having some connection issues with Kevin Pelton. I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get him on. So in the meantime, let's turn our attention to the Phoenix Suns playing the Orlando Magic tonight, Gambo, and with it. One of the top young rookies in the NBA in Paolo Banchero, who comes in here. And for the Suns, a couple things here. One, they're going to have to deal with him, and they're going to have to deal with you know not an underperforming Orlando team, but one with a lot of good young talent. Number two, this is kind of a revenge game for the Suns. Orlando absolutely took the Suns to task a couple of months ago when they played. But number three, and probably the biggest among them all, the Phoenix Suns right now are riding a three-game losing streak. They need this one tonight. Whether you want to call it must win or not, they need this one tonight to restore a little bit of confidence in themselves. You know, this Orlando team, say what you want, right? They, at one point this season, they had a six-game winning streak. They've beaten Boston twice. They've beaten Phoenix. They've beaten Dallas. They've beaten Golden State. They've got two wins over Toronto. Like, they've got some good wins. Actually, I think they beat Boston three times. They've beaten Boston. So, they're, uh, yeah, they have. They've beaten Boston three times this year. Like, you better be ready to play. They just had a big win over Miami the other day before they lost to San Antonio. But they they beat Miami just uh, two games ago. Like, if you're not ready to play them, those kids come to play. Bonchero and Wagner and, and Carter and they come they come they show up and they're ready to play. So, you know, they, I, I don't expect that this is gonna be the easiest game. Because I agree. like they're they're trying to win basketball games and if you go look at what they've done, man, there's a lot of good basketball teams in this league that have lost to the Orlando Magic this year. Yeah, no, you you're getting an amen from me on all that that you just had to say. I agree with you. This is the, on the surface this looks like it should be an easy game. It's not gonna be. I, I think Orlando's got an edge to them that I think you really have to respect. And I think the last time these two teams played, that was really evident that I, I think the Suns did take them a little bit lightly, and Orlando just punished them that night. I, I think, too, the Suns' confidence right now, it, there, there's there's a dip. I mean, it, it, how can there not be? They've seen how they've struggled without Kevin Durant. Their role players know how much pressure is on them to bail Devin Booker out, to give him an assist, to not just make it Booker Island. I, I think the Suns are starting to feel a little measure of pressure right now because they know Kevin Durant's not walking through that door anytime soon. And they, they know they have to tighten, kind of tighten everything up 
and play better than they have. And, and I, I think that's left this team searching for their identity a little bit and searching for some confidence. Normally, I would say this is the perfect opponent at the perfect time for the Phoenix Suns, and I hope that ends up being the case. But I got to imagine their confidence is reeling a little bit, and Orlando is one of those teams that if you're not careful, they could take advantage of that tonight, which is why the Suns have to treat this game with the utmost respect with who they're playing. Yeah, yeah, they're just so young. You know, they're just so young. They got the the Suggs kid from Gonzaga. Uh, he's actually coming off the bench, plays a, plays a lot of minutes. Bonchara, Wagner, Carter. They even got Markel Fultz on that team. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand where you're going in, in the must-win game because we keep saying that these games don't matter. They're going to get Kevin Durant back, and that's what it matters. But to, to what you're talking about, like, it matters if you fall into the play-in tournament. Yes. It mat- and you, you're going to play Oklahoma City after this game. Oklahoma City's playing for their lives. And by the way, they have the second best rookie in the NBA. Yeah. So, like, you know, they've got... So you're going back-to-back with great rookies. You're going to play Bonchero now, and you're going to play Jalen Williams of Oklahoma City, who has been terrific this year. So you're playing, you know, you're playing teams that are going to go, at, go and try to beat you. I think the thing that you're talking about, and I, I understand, is just you, you keep losing games and you know, forget about Kevin Durant coming back. You're going to put yourself in a really tough situation of having to play in the play-in tournament, and you don't want that. It seems ridiculous. It, it, look, it, I, I like to think of myself as pretty reasonable and rational when it comes to thinking about stuff like this. It seems ridiculous to call a game against the Orlando Magic on a Wednesday night, uh, or a Thursday night, I should say, a must-win game with 13 games to go. I really believe if the Suns lose this game tomorrow, we're going to come in here and we're going to start pushing some panic buttons. We're, we're, we're going to start talking about, okay, yeah, they're going to get Kevin Durant at some point, but what is the thing that he's going to be coming back to? Is he coming back to a team that's the 7th seed? Is he coming back to a team that's the 10th seed? Is he coming back to a team that, God forbid, is the 11th seed? I mean, there's, there's a slide, and the Suns need to stop that slide, and that's why I think tonight is a must-win game, because I think perceptually, if they lose, there's going to be a lot of concern over this team, and where they're they're going to be when Kevin Durant returns. That Don't forget, and I looked at this today, I sent you a screenshot of this, when we're looking at the remaining schedule strength for every team in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns have the seventh toughest schedule based off of the opponent's winning percentage of anybody in the NBA. And everybody else in the West, Sacramento, Golden State, the Clippers, Minnesota, Dallas, Oklahoma City, they're all in the bottom half of the NBA when it comes to strength of schedule. So you got to take advantage of the few quote-unquote easy games you have left, this is one of them for the Suns. I think they have to win tonight's game. I really do. You know, after this, they play the Clippers on the road. The who do who who? Oh no, the the Orlando does. Orlando, Orlando plays does. The Clippers okay. on the road. Do they? So not that they're they're looking ahead. The Suns' next game is Oklahoma City, but after that, it's the Lakers. You know, you got to play the Lakers in Sacramento on the road. So you got three road games coming up here: Oklahoma City, the Lakers in Sacramento. Bang, bang, bang. And then after that, then you get Philly. Then you go to you got to go to Utah. Then you play Minnesota. They're playing for their lives. You get Denver twice, but they're not playing very well. Like it's it's you're right. It's not an easy schedule. You just want the slide to stop, right? You just want the slide to to end. Now before this, they had won like five games in a row, including that win over Dallas. But the, those last three games were tough. You played three two three good opponents, and you know they 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 lost by double digits to. 
uh, Sacramento was by nine. Sacramento's by nine. The other two are by double digits. They didn't play great in those games. No. No, they didn't. And they need to start and play better starting tonight. And, and hopefully we start to get the good news about Kevin Durant. Maybe maybe Landry Shamit can start getting close to returning. We'll see. We'll see what all happens tonight when the Suns take on the Orlando Magic. The game starts at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, the Arizona Sports app, and 98.7. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You will never miss any of our show. The Burns and Gambo Show brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. If the Arizona Cardinals are looking for a backup quarterback, their options just got a little bit thinner today. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I'm laughing because I know it's time for us to update our Twitter poll question of the day. (laughs) (laughs) And I wonder, do people go back and change their minds now? Seriously, can I go back and change my answer, please? Pretty please. Uh, Let's tell you what it is. Here's Eric Ruby on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Rubes, I feel like I have to apologize to you on this one. Like when you rolled this out, I said, you, so basically you're talking about Arizona, right? And then Arizona lost to Princeton. So I'm I mean, sorry. To, to be I, fair, I agreed with you. I apologize. But then I said it's madness and the madness happened. U of A losing to the 15th seed Princeton after we rolled this question out. The question is, out of the three teams coming from the state of Arizona that are participating in this year's men's and NCAA tournament, what is the furthest any of them will make it? You no longer get to choose for U of A, so between ASU and GCU, how far will they go? Round of 32, Sweet 16, Elite 8, or Final Four Championship game? They're all done this weekend. <laughs> Everybody's done this weekend. It's a little bit of a change in this question. They're all done. Yeah. They're all done. The, the question is, does anybody advance to the round of 32? No. And, and I, I tend to think the answer is probably no. I, I, as much as I... Look, ASU... Hats off to them, man. They, they they played their butts off last night. They, that was maybe the best game they've played all year. And certainly, as Gamble made the argument earlier in the show, you can make the argument that of the last three games ASU has played, two of them have been two of their best games all year. Maybe yes. the two best games they've played all year. That being said, am I going to sit here and believe that ASU or GCU is going to advance to the round of 32? I, I just can't see it. So if I could change my answer, I, you know. It, say none. Yeah, I would say none because. Because my answer back then was U of A losing in the Sweet 16. Gambo had U of A losing in the Elite Eight. And instead, U of A lost in the first round. So what's our audience say right now? I'm just ready to break up the Pac-12 now. When was the last time the Pac-12 won a basketball tournament? The, the whole thing. It was Arizona, wasn't it? It was Arizona in nineties. Yeah, it was. It was the. It was the Simon Says Championship. That yeah, was the last was one. Tw- Twenty five years ago, last yeah. time the Pac twelve was won a that this tournament has won a NCAA uh, championship. It's go ridiculous. Get it, go get them UCLA. Go get them USC. Go get them ASU. Let's see what you got. What's the uh, so results of the poll? Obviously, question? the re- the results of this poll are a little bit skewed. How I want to phrase it is: the Elite Eight for U of A was by far the leader at forty one percent. They've dropped to twenty seven percent in the last two hours. Sweet 16 round of 62 have bumped up on percentages, but nobody thinks ASU or GCU are going past the round of 32. Doesn't so seem like it. All those votes would probably go for U of A. Who's out? 
Yeah. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. At Burns and Gambo, one word is where you can find it. We are having, let everybody know, we always enjoy our conversations with Kevin Pelt and the Talk NBA. We're still hoping to connect with him. We are having some technical issues here, so hopefully we can resolve those and we will get Kevin Pelton on the show. So in the meantime, let's flip our attention back to the Arizona Cardinals because yet another quarterback is off the board now in free agency today. Gardner Minshew, somebody you, I don't want to say you were advocating for at Gambo, but you were suggesting he might be a decent addition for them. He signs a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts. So he, too, is off the board. And I think now we really have to ask the question, do the Cardinals, are they interested in signing a quarterback in this cycle? Because it doesn't seem like they are on the surface after four days of free agency. I mean, is Colt McCoy going to be ready for the regular season? We don't know. Might be. He might be. And they may decide that we're just going to go with Colt McCoy and we'll have, uh, you know, we'll have one of these other guys be a McSorley or David Blah, somebody be the backup and not spend that money on, on, on a quarterback. Because you look at the good quarterbacks that have gone in free agency, man, some of them are getting five to ten million dollars. You know, good money to be a backup. Now Minshew got what about three and a half million, Bernsey? I believe that's the number. Yes, about three and a half million. I mean, that's a that's a fair rate for for a backup quarterback. That's a fair rate. The Cardinals have gone cheap with a lot of their backup quarterbacks over the years. Remember the Hunley kid? I mean, he was making less than a million. He's making less than a million to be the backup quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. So the question is, with all the money they have into Kyler, the money they have into Colt, would they really go give Matt Ryan five, six million dollars with a whole bunch of incentives? I don't know. I don't know if they would do that. No, I don't know if they would either. And there's certainly look, if you're going to tell me Colt McCoy is going to be the starter at the beginning of the season, I'm fine with that. As long as Colt's only going to play three, maybe four games. And I don't know when Kyler is going to be back. I don't know if they know when Kyler is going to be back. I think the thing that I'm worried about, and I heard Luke Lipinski talking about this earlier, and I thought he was right on the money with this, is if you want to say to me, Colt McCoy is going to be your starter this year at the beginning of the year until Kyler comes back, fine. Let Colt be the starter. The worry is that if Colt gets hurt in week two or week three, and now you're in week four, and it is David Blau, who is your quarterback, or it's Trace McSorley, who is your quarterback, or it's it's your... I, I, I feel like this team needs to have a second second string quarterback for insurance against Colt McCoy not knowing how long Kyler's going to be out and what I'm worried is that they're going to be satisfied with a traditional third string quarterback which could be fine as long as Colt can play if Colt can't play then it's real trouble for this team if they have to go with the third stringer for any more than a week or two that's what I'm trying to avoid here is it possible they're trying to avoid getting a quarterback that can help them win games that's the dicey question. I don't know. Is it possible? Is it possible that this is that this is their way of trying to manipulate the system so they don't win games so they get a better draft pick next year? God, I hope not, but I can see the benefit to it. I can see the benefit to having a great draft pick next year. Listen, you know me, man. When a team's going to be bad, I, I prefer they be really bad. I know. I know. I mean, I really do. I want the team to do well, but if they're not going to do well, I don't understand what the difference is in winning six games and winning three. I'd rather win three than six or five because I, I want to get you get right back in this position. Look at the great position they're in right now. Okay, the third pick overall, you could trade this pick for a boatload of picks. You could take the best player available. That's not a quarterback. I like this situation rather than picking 12th. I mean, I do. I prefer it. 
So, like, if you're going to be bad, I mean, you might as well you might as well be bad. I know some people may not like that, but th- that's the reality. No, you it's know, like there's no benefit to being mediocre in this league. Uh, no, you're you're not wrong. I, I think it's it's there's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's it's a hard thing for a team to tell its fan base. You know, like I I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Like you're going to tell me you're going to have the third pick or you're going to have the eighth pick. I'd rather have the third pick. You're going to tell me that you're going to lose. You're going to win six games. You're going to win three games. I'd rather rather win three games. I, I I'm down with all that. It's just for an organization to do that. You know, it, it's it's a bad look for the fans who want them to win. It's a bad look in a league that rewards winning. It's I, I just don't know if that's the motivation behind this. It's hard to know if that's what they're trying for in making the decisions but they're if, making. I don't if know. In the, if, if in the long run, it helps you get better players because you go a couple of years of having really good draft picks at the top of each round. I think it's worth the sacrifice. I think it's worth the suffering that you're going to go through. Now, you said it yesterday. Actions speak louder than words. Actions. Yep. Okay? They're not telling us what the plan is. But if you want to go by the actions, we're what, four days into free agency? What have they done? Have they signed a defensive lineman, an edge rusher? Have they signed a quarter, a cornerback? Have they added a backup quarterback because Murray's might not be ready, and we don't know if Colt's going to be ready? I mean, have they, they have they addressed the offensive line outside of a couple of their own guys and some guy from Denmark? Like the answer is no. Mm-hmm. So if action, and again, I'm not against this plan. I'm not sitting there saying, "Oh, the I'm not against the plan." If the plan is to be bad, I I, I I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And if they're not going to tell us that's the plan, then we got to go by your theory. Your theory is actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Well, what's the actions through four days of free agency so far? The actions would seem to indicate that they know they're not going to be competitive this year, so they're not going to make an effort to appear competitive this year. You know, like yeah. They, and I would rather do it that way then go sign a few guys and win six football games and spend all this money and have guys tied up and kick the can down the road on the cap because I signed a bunch of players and we're, we're, you're a 6-11 and 11 football team. You've improved by three games this year. You know what the Cardinals win? Three games last year? Yeah. So to go from three to six wins, I, I, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Trade Hopkins, get a second-round pick for him, stockpile as many picks as you can, and start to rebuild that way. Yeah. That's the that's the right way to do it. I and, mean, I'm not going to... I wouldn't say that's the wrong way to do it. That's actually the right way to do it. And, and that falls in line with letting Zach Allen walk, that falls in line with letting Byron Murphy walk, that falls in line so far with the signings that we've seen so far, the, the highest profile, which has been Kaiser White. He's been the highest that we've seen. It all kind of falls in line with what they're doing, and so maybe we shouldn't be surprised that they haven't done anything on the quarterback front. Maybe look, all, what we're talking about here too, Kyler Murray's going to be back at some point this year. I, I mean, let's not let's not frame this as a conversation like Kyler Murray's out for the season. We don't know when he's going to be back. We don't know how many games he's going to miss, but we do expect him to play at some point this season. Yes. But look, there's Gambo. There is a lot of logic to what you're saying. I mean, really, just cold, hard logic about how to approach this season if you're Monty Austin Ford. I'm just talking emotionally if you're a fan. It's got to be frustrating as hell to see your team be so inactive during free agent. Even if you know in the back of your mind, it's better for my team to be bad next year. It's got to be frustrating as a fan to watch your team sit around and do nothing in free agency. Because the Cardinals have done nothing in free agency. Let me put it another way. 
the Diamondbacks, before Mike Hazen got here, had one of the worst minor league organizations in all of baseball. It was pathetic. It was it was terrible. And so what did they do? Like, you know, they, they, the Diamondbacks haven't been winning playoff games and they're not a threat to win a World Series. But they built a hell of a team that people could be excited about with Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas. And, you know, they got Drew Jones coming up. And then, you know, the pitchers that they have, like they... They, they, they did it the right way, right? Yeah, there's some suffering in there. There's some bad seasons. And, you know, the question whether there were questions about the manager and the GM, if they're going to keep their jobs. But they did it the right way. And now they've got something to build going forward. They can try to win games now. Now they can try to win baseball games and, and spend money to try to, you know, be a little bit better. But it took some suffering to get to that point where they were in a position to get the kids that they drafted. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Marco Wilson, here's your criticisms, Cardinals fans. We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So with Byron Murphy signing the two-year deal that he got in Minnesota, this is really kind of a one-year deal, but if he proves it, he can get another year. Maybe he can get a new contract or whatever. It is like a lot of free agency so far this first week, and we just got done the entire last segment talking about what hasn't happened at quarterback and whether the Cardinals even feel like they need another quarterback. It has left the Cardinals' depth chart, if you look at it, the defensive line, the defensive backfield, the offensive line is rounded out a little bit with some of the guys they kept and some of the moves they made yesterday. But a lot of people, especially with the secondary, have been very critical because Byron Murphy's gone and everyone's like, okay, who's the cornerback? Marco Wilson is the cornerback. Marco Wilson checked in on Twitter. He tweeted out this morning, I embrace the doubt in the secondary. Keep it coming, I beg you. It only made me lock in last season, close quote. That's what he said on Twitter. He's he's hearing the noise out there, Gamble, about people who are saying the Cardinals have not done enough to address their secondary when Marco Wilson is the only cornerback left in the room. Well, there's times you have to have three cornerbacks out there. Yeah. Sometimes you got to have four. Um, you got to have guys that could cover. I mean, this league's throwing four wide receivers. You got to be able to cover running backs. You got to be able to cover tight ends. You got to be able to cover three wide receiver sets and four wide receiver sets. He was a nice pickup. He was a nice draft pick. I think the kid's a decent player. Um, if he goes in as your number one cornerback, who's your number two? Who's your number three? I mean, it's 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 you know it's Antonio Hamilton. Like they, you know, they that that's a major area need for them right now. I don't dislike Marco Wilson as a player. I actually thought he did a pretty good job, but I, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's the guy that you're going to put up against the best receivers and, and say, okay, shut those, shut those guys down. I, I think maybe he can get there someday, but we all know this. They need, they need cornerback help, no matter what he says. Like he's one guy. They oh, sure. need more cornerbacks. No, they do. And, and I mean to look at. Uh, so I just pulled up. I've been doing this from time to time this week. I just pulled up a current depth chart for the Arizona Cardinals, and it is, it is shocking. In some ways, it is shocking how thin it is. Right now, defensive line, Jonathan Ledbetter, Lucky Foe, Rashard Lawrence. Right now, your cornerbacks are Jace Whitaker and Marco Wilson. Obviously, your safeties are Buddha and Jalen Thompson. Your nickelback, they're listing Isaiah Simmons as the nickelback right now. And I've chosen, this is rlads.com. I could have chosen a half dozen other depth chart websites if I wanted to. I just kind of happened to go to this one. Um, the Offensive line, it's it's a little bit better. DJ obviously is going to be back. Will Hernandez, they re-signed. Kelvin Beecham, they re-signed. There's still questions about who their center is.
is, who their left guard is, what are they going to do with Josh Jones? Are they going to move him inside? Is he going to take one of those spots? You, you, you look at this, jep, this depth chart, and you can understand the concern now in terms of who's your cornerback, who's on your offensive line, who's your defensive line. It's a, it, it looks so thin when you see it with your eyeballs that it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to see how this is going to turn out positively for the Arizona Cardinals. There's just a lot of holes on this roster right now, Gambo. Yeah, and you know, over the years they've tried to patchwork that, and they, they've really just you know run into a string of bad luck at, at the cornerback spot as well. Um, you know, with Patrick Peterson and the suspension, and then obviously the the, the 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 tragic incident with Jeff Gladney, and even when they signed Robert Alford, they signed him with a three year deal, and he missed the first two years. He didn't play, and then it kind of thought maybe he'd come back and play last year, and he didn't want to come back and play. So it's been a sore spot, you know, with with the cornerbacks and trying to get you know trying to to get that solidified, which is why I think some of the mock drafts that you've you've referred to have them taking the kid out of Oregon yeah. as, as their pick because they do need cornerback help. Now they also haven't gone out there and addressed it. Um, in free agency, and we thought maybe they would even look at the Eagles because they had a couple of guys, but they haven't really done that yet. Now, I expect that they still will, of course. And 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 this, you know, they they're going to sign a bunch of players here, but they're probably in a position where they're waiting for the prices to come down, and they're going to sign guys to a bunch of one and two year deals. Yeah, in fact, I, I sent you a story today: um, the best free agents that are still out there on the market, and surely there are some. This is the best of what's left. Okay, and, and I. I I sent this to you this morning. There might be a couple of guys off of this list. There are cornerbacks on this list. I mean, if we're just going to talk about that position specifically, Shaquille Griffin is on the list. Rocky Asin is on the list. Uh, Marcus Peters is on the list. Uh, let's see. Cornerback, cornerback. Scrolling down. Uh, Bryce Callahan is on the list. There are others. I mean, they're, they're, I'm looking at NFL.com's the best of what's left, left free agency list. And there are guys here. And, and there are guys who ranked as high as Odell Beckham Jr. was the ninth best free agent available. He's still out there. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he's still out there. He was the third best free agent available. Bobby Wagner, number 11. Um, the, the, I think in part what the Cardinals are doing here, in addition to managing the roster and Monty Austinford, I think what they're waiting for is we are very close to a lot of these guys just having to take one-year deals, one-year prove-it deals. And it's we're not quite totally there yet, but we're getting there. And I think when we get to that point where it's one-year deals and nothing but one-year deals, I would imagine at that point the Cardinals will swoop in and start to sign guys like you're talking about because they, they have a roster they have to fill out. They're not, they're not even close to where they need to be roster-wise. And I, I I suspect they're waiting for that moment when it's pretty much one year deal or bust for a lot of these guys who are out there. Yeah, they've got only they've got only two quarterbacks around the contract for next season. Like Antonio Hamilton's an unrestricted free agent. Um, Christian Matthews signed through 2025. Marco Wilson signed through 2024. Now, Jace Whitaker, they have exclusive rights free agency to him. But I remember at the end of last season, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Marco Wilson and Christian Matthew were your starting cornerbacks. I don't think that fared very well. No. So, like, to sit here <laughs> no, and say, no. Remember, I think that was your two starting quarterbacks at the a couple games last year, Wilson and Matthew. They've got it. They need a starter. They need a slot guy. They need they and they desperately need depth at that position. So. Like the names that were out there, we thought they were going to get. They haven't. They'll sign guys. They'll sign guys. But you're probably right. It's probably stopgap guys on one year contract. Which is, which again, it's, if the plan is that we're going to kill this draft in in 2023 and we're going to nail it in 2024, and then in 2025 we're going to have a bunch of good young players.
players who are going to be on our way. Fine. That's fine. Then you know what you want to do? You don't want to sign a quarterback to a five-year deal in free agency. You want to sign a guy to a one-year deal. You're keeping the seat warm because I'm going to draft a guy in either 23 or 24 that's going to be a stud, and he's going to come in here. He's going to be one of my top two cornerbacks. I, so that's fine. I asked you this question earlier, and I, I'm really starting to think more and more this might be the case. I'm wondering if the Cardinals' approach in free agency is a hint to what they're going to do with their draft pick, number three in particular. And I'm wondering if the inactivity in free agency means that they're going to try to use that pick to get as many picks as they possibly can, that Will Anderson isn't going to be the guy that they select at number three, that they're going to instead trade down to get a lot of picks because it does seem as if free agency is not the plan for them this year. And if the draft is the plan, they might want to maximize the number of chances they get in this year's draft. It feels like a trade down might be more in line for what they do. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. I mean, I'd be scared if they drop too far down. You still want to get one of the best players available at, at the position, at a position of need for you. And maybe that is cornerback. Maybe that is offensive line. Um, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt that the best player they could draft is Will Anderson. I don't think there's going to be any real debate about that. So is it worth it? What 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 are you going to get passing on a great player like Will Anderson? And we've talked about the drafts in the past where they passed on a great player and it backfired on him, especially the Terrell Suggs draft when they got Calvin Pace and Brian Johnson by moving back. They didn't take uh, Terrell Suggs. That backfired. You don't want this one to backfire. Um, so I do think that it's possible that they trade back and get a bunch of picks because they need it. I mean, they need it, especially if they're not going to address it in free agency. You'd rather have more you know, at-bats in the draft to try and get players at positions of need. Right. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on this Thursday afternoon, the Suns taking on the Orlando Magic tonight as they continue to adapt to life without Kevin Durant. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo show.